Welcome to CruxCast. Whether you're in your car, at work, or at home, we hope you enjoy this interview. And if you do, you can find more like it on cruxinvestor.com. So please subscribe. We caught up earlier today with David Cole, CEO at EMX Royalties. He talks us through what they've been up to since we spoke in November. A few deals on the table. We're more interested in the cash flow potential from Balia and Timuk. So we talked to him about the timing of that, the quantums involved there, and what's happening next. If you want our thoughts and opinions on the conversation, David and the company, you can find that at cruxinvestor.com forward slash club, where you can also find detailed company reports and analysis. We've got commentary from experts from around the world on a variety of companies and commodities, truly insightful stuff. We've got training courses to help you with your own diligence process. We've also done summaries of all the interviews that we've done just to save you some time because we know you're busy. And if you want to join a thriving community of investors sharing their thoughts, ideas with each other in a nice, friendly and safe environment, free from judgment, trolling and abuse, go and join them at cruxinvestor.com forward slash club. David, how are you, sir? Super well, Matthew. I haven't spoken to you since uh, December. How are you? I'm always good. I'm, I'm full of life, full of beans. It's, it's all good, but uh, uh, it's, it's too late to be saying happy, uh, happy New Year to you. So, uh, how have you been instead? You know, um, we've had a lot of deal flow. Life is good here in Colorado. Um, I'm vaccinated, so I'm pretty happy about that. Uh, and um, yeah, we're rocking and rolling, taking advantage of strong commodity prices, uh, diversifying our portfolio further into base and, and uh, battery metals. Yeah, selling lots of projects. Interesting. Things are going well. Bit of diversification there. I like it. Hey, well, look, why don't we just remind people of what your business is? Give them that one more overview, helicopter view of, you know, the type of business that you are. And I'll, I'll pick it up from there and we'll talk about some of the things you've been doing recently. So we're a royalty company and we love royalties because of the embedded optionality that are in royalties. And thus, that's why royalties trade at a premium. But we're a royalty that grows our royalty portfolio in a different way than most royalty companies. Most royalty companies purchase existing royalties or do mine financings to obtain additional royalties, commonly at dear valuations. We, uh, the bulk of the royalties in our portfolio, Matthew, as you know, we have grown organically through the prospect generation business model over a 17 year history where we acquire prospective mineral rights. We add value by building economic geologic models and then sell those onto an industry hungry for discovery opportunity in exchange for cash, shares, annual payments, work commitments, and always a royalty on the back end. So rather than paying dearly to acquire royalties, we're paid to create a royalty. And that's why we're in such strong shape financially, sitting here today with as much money in the bank um, and our share portfolio and our long-term investments equate to roughly all the money I've raised in the history of the company, no debt, in addition to 250 mineral property positions. To augment the portfolio that we grow organically through the royalty generation, which I just explained, we also buy royalties occasionally if we can find them a good valuation. That's hard. That's a tough business, but occasionally we are able to execute there. And we also make strategic investments um, when our uh, team of economic geologists that are out there working hard, find compelling opportunities to invest in companies. And our 17-year track record on our invested capital, not including cash in the bank, just on the invested capital in our strategic investment portfolio is 42% compounded annually over that time frame after tax. Okay. You're a royalty company, but it seems a little bit more complicated than that because you go about creating your own royalty. So the kind of GNA upfront GNA component of that is a little bit more yes. upfront, but further down the line, it saves you paying like big sums of money, uh, you know, to hand a big sum of money over to someone for their royalty. 
So that's how you do it. You know, we have a bunch of smart guys. And you like to tease me because you like to say that economic geologists, were they the inexpensive ones? So, <laughs> the, yeah, I know that I know that joke's coming. So I just preempted it. But um, the uh, look, these guys are PhDs, uh, great depth of experience on the engineering side, the geology side. And yeah, we have to pay them well. Um, and that intellect is reflected in the growth of the portfolio. So our GNA would be higher. The amount of money we're paying to buy royalties is much lower. Right. OK, well, let, let's let's talk about some of the things that you've been doing uh, since we last spoke. Uh, it, was, it was sort of middle to end of November. OK, because you've had a bit of news flow. I mean, quite a bit of news flow. And you've been you've been uh, spending mm-hmm. money, which I know you don't like to do. So uh, tell me what you've been up to. Well, uh, core to our business is is acquiring prospective mineral rights around the world. We've been doing that at a breakneck pace. As I mentioned, we're broadening our exposure to nickel, copper, cobalt. In addition to continuing to acquire more gold projects, we always love gold. Gold and copper is kind of the base of the company, uh, but we're happy to have exposure to lead, zinc, silver, and polymetallic systems, Fenoscandia, Turkey, et cetera. Um, and uh, I think in 2020, we sold 20 projects, creating 20 new royalties. That was a new record for us in 2019. We sold 18 projects, and in 2018, we sold 17. So that's a collective 45 projects sold in three years, creating 45 new royalties. And that's in addition to the purchase of a couple of royalty portfolios. We purchased a portfolio of royalties, 18, I believe, in Chile, covering some prospective mineral rights there from a company that was in financial distress. We got that at a very good price. We also purchased a portfolio of royalties, two different portfolios of royalties in Central Eastern Canada, over dominantly gold projects at very good valuation. Uh, those projects do cash flow, not from production, but from pre-production payments in cash and shares. And we expect that portfolio to pay for itself in about three and a half years. Uh, some of those shares have done very well. In fact, so we might pay for it a little faster than that. And we like that. We like that method. And those were both purchased from companies, private and a public company, that were executing a similar business model, growing their royalty portfolio. And then we were able to pack, purchase that and, and augment our portfolio. So you know, if, if you if you want to hear the numbers, I, I believe around 250 mineral property positions, Matthew, worldwide, um, about 150 of those are in royalty status. What, is, what does that mean? That means that that means that the partner is earned in, and, and we have a, 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 a royalty attached to the project. Um, they're they're not projects which we're out marketing to acquire to find a partner to buy the project from us. Right. Of course, we have both. We have those projects which we've already sold, quote unquote, um, and those which we're marketing to sell. Right. Okay. The reason I ask that is because there's a lot of terminology around this, a lot of new people coming in looking at this thing. Oh, royalties, easy. But the nuances are very, very different because the thing that that interests me, cash flow, right? So, you know, if I ask you the question, Mm -hmm. um, you said the overall size of the project, but how many assets currently are cash flowing into your business, like free cash flow now today for you? Yeah, so it's a great question. And so we have a pyramid, right? And the base of the pyramid are the projects we've just acquired. Then above a certain line, that's the projects we've sold. And then we have various forms of cash flow that come in pre-production. And then the very top of the pyramid is production royalties. So producing royalties, um, we have we have the Leeville royalty on the Carlin Trends operated by Nevada Gold Mines. Uh, that's a joint venture between Newmont and Barrick. And that's been a pre- production royalty for many years now. It's paid about $15 million since we've owned it. U.S. Right. And then we have the Balia mine, which is coming into production this year. 
that's going to become a key cash flowing asset for us. That's lead zinc, silver, and turkey. And I encourage you to check our website for new drill results there. They continue to expand that mineral system, 5,000 ton per day mill. We're very excited. That's going to become our top cash flowing royalty, in, um, uh, in my opinion, within two years. How much? And that will initiate production um, uh, later this year, in fact. And then the company maker in the portfolio long term is the Timok project being operated by Xinjiang in Serbia. And they have announced, and we came out with an update press release um, two weeks ago, perhaps, that explained uh, that um, um, what Xinjiang has announced, and, it, and it, it's in full agreement with the memorandum of understanding that they signed with the Serbian government to invest roughly half a billion dollars into uh, putting the upper zone of the of the of the Timuk project into production. So they're putting the upper zone, which is a high grade pipe into production. They have uh, two declines coming into it to establish underground infrastructure, two shafts coming into it. They've announced they've already hit high grade ore and they've announced that they'll be in production second quarter. We get paid in arrears on a quarterly basis. So we should have royalty payments initiating from that upper zone in uh, the second half, uh, or excuse me, right, right middle of this year, uh, within six months. And so we're quite excited about that. But the upper zone is small. Um, and so our royalty payments will be, you know, a couple million dollars a year, but based upon the feasibility study. But when they get into the porphyry zone at depth, that's 1.7 billion tons of inferred resource. That there the royalty has a chance to just blow up and become extraordinarily valuable. Um, and of course, we own one half of 1% of everything produced that comes out of that. And and that long term, that's the company maker in the portfolio. Right. And this whole thing speaks to cash flow optionality within that pyramid. Okay. Can you just firm up on some of those numbers for me? So I get the size of Timok, and I'm, I'm aware of it. We, we, we studied uh, mm -hmm. because we're looking at Adriatic metals operating nearby. Um, mm -hmm. Can you give me the numbers for Balia, for instance? Let's start with Balia. What's the contribution from that to you per year? Because then you gave me a fifteen million. Yeah, number. happy to. What's that? So, so, and 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 you know, of course, we're bound by forty-three one one regulations. What we're allowed to say. So I know a lot more than I'm allowed to say. But so, but so, keeping it legal, right? The there's a five thousand ton per day mill. The average head grade at that mill is eight percent combined lead zinc and eighty grams per ton silver. We have been told that they will uh, supply about fifty percent. Um, ultimately, once in full-scale commercial production from our side of the line, we have a line down the middle of the district and our side of the line, we have a 4% uncapped, unviable royalty. So that's a fat royalty. Very excited about that. And you can do the math on that and it's multiple millions of dollars per year once in full-scale commercial production at current lead zinc silver prices. Uh, um, you can assume, you know, can... 85, 90% recovery. And then that the smelter pays on about 85% of that metal. And you can do the math yourself. I'm not supposed to do that math because it's not in a 43101 document, but it works out to a nice number per annum. And uh, Balia is moving forward. We came out with a press release that describes that. So you can read that press release uh, and uh, additional drill information that shows that that mineral system is extending at depth and getting stronger uh, is available on our website. So you can review those drill intercepts. We're very excited about the potential for that royalty to pay for many years into the future. Okay, so they, those are those two. A nice royalty. Yeah, they're, 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 yep. so they, they have the potential to be a sort of steady, stream, steady state stream for you, and maybe TMOC could be much more than that if they really start putting that money in, in the ground. Um, how many of your other royalties have got 43101 or Jork compliant resources on them? So certainly the Kaokua royalty 
has a compliant resource and they continue to announce additional drill intercepts. In fact, Palladium One, the counterparty to our royalty in Finland, made a significant press release today uh, with some four gram per ton Palladium equivalent intercepts as they continue to grow that resource. It has significant endowment. It's a combination of platinum, palladium, gold, copper, and nickel, commodities which we like very much. And this speaks volumes to how we execute our business model. We were working in Finland within these prospective geologic terrains for these polymetallic uh, platinum, nickel, copper systems, acquiring mineral rights. And we met the prospector that owned the royalty on the Kaukua discovery. And we bought that royalty from him for, hold, hold your breath, 250,000 Canadian dollars. That's a 2% royalty where 1% can be purchased before production uh, for a million euro, leaving us with an uncapped, unviable 1% royalty on that mineral system. And Palladium One is having great success and hats off to them. They're running geophysics, finding geophysical anomalies, coming in, drilling them, hitting metal. And we're just delighted to be a participant in that. So we're a participant in that. Um, and they, they, they have a resource. I can't quote the resource number, but you asked about a resource. They have a resource on that. And that resource is growing demonstrably. We also have other royalties around it on other projects that we have sold that have similar geological attributes. Right. I, I guess what I'm trying to get at, David, is it's trying to understand what's 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 near term. I, you know, so in the next two years, you know, what's the revenue, what, what's your yeah. revenue expectation? And, you know, because again, we, we, we talk yeah. to people in the marketplace and the, the, the room for misstatement is, is, is huge. They talk about royalties, but they forget mm-hmm. to tell you that perhaps they're only, you know, got own 20% of the land, land uh, so of, of, of the resource, which is in their royalty. Or they talk about being in near production, but they haven't. there's not even a resource on a project. So I'm just trying to, from you, get a sense of, because I, I appreciate you've been in it 17 years, right? You've been around the block. You, you understand the, the fun, and, fun and the games here. So um, what does the next two years look like for you in terms of, Cash flow, near-term cash flow. You know, what's the gold? What's the gold equivalent number on your resource or, or reserves that you that you know about today? So I can only quote those to the public when they have forty-three one-on-one uh, compliant resources. And Balia does not because it's operated by a private Turkish company, so they don't have to do that. So unfortunately, I can't quote that number. Uh, but you can see the drill uh, uh, intercepts and and you know. Uh, a reasonably intelligent person can calculate a, a quasi resource number based upon the footprint of that mineralization. Um, the knowledge it's 5,000 ton per day mill, you can get a sense for what our cash flow will be coming off of that. Um, and specifically, answer your question you know, the near term production cash flow is from Balia, Chukuru Peki Royalty, which is the Timuk project, and Leeville. That's from production cash flow within our portfolio. But there's, but there's dozens of other royalties that are cash flowing, but to make sure we have the correct terminology here, those are pre-production payments. So they could be annual lease payments, advanced minimum royalty payments, annual advanced royalty payments, however we word them. Sometimes people say, well, we don't pay advanced royalties. We say, okay, you can pay us a lease fee every year. So, okay. <laughs> so, so, you know, we, somehow or another, we always pick up nickels and dimes in front of the steamroller after we sell projects. And so there's 30 or 40 royalties within the portfolio, it might even be more, quite honestly, that, that are cash flowing, but they're pre-production cash flow. Got it. And those, aren't, those are fixed term or are they 
right until they they do get into depression or someone gets into depression if they get so, into production. You know, some of those were written by by Perry English, the the gentleman with whom we from whom we bought the the portfolio in Canada. So they're not they're not the terms that we would write, but they have maybe a couple of payments left, and then there's no more payments. Most of the ones we write have continued annual payments on into the future. Okay, and I guess what's your key? What's mixed bag. It's a mixed bag, right? Okay, and um, look, you've been around seventeen years. You, you're growing something. Last time, last time we spoke, you were you know three sixty eight. You're three ninety five. You're three hundred thirty five million market cap. You're, it's st- steadily growing. It's, it's it's a great. It's an interesting story, but it's an interesting time for royalties, right? So what I'm trying to do is distinguish between the the, the, the good and the and, and and the promotional, right? So you've got some real revenues. You've got fifty million bucks in the cat in the bank, and you've got no debt. So. A lot of things to like. What I'm trying to work out is the speed at which this thing ramps up, right? You know, what's in it for me? Is it a steady state growth because you're careful with your cash, you're careful with your investments? Or have you had to change and adapt your model over time from this generate your own royalty model through to, well, do you know what? We better start buying a few things which do get some cash flowing a little bit quicker because our GNA is, you know, a little bit more than most. So, um, more than happy to talk about all those things. That was a that was a that was a thank you. Big, thank <laughs> you. Covered thank a lot you. of territory. You're welcome. <laughs> but but I do I do appreciate you um, highlighting the, the promotional aspect of the of the uh, numerous new royalty companies, uh, and I will point out the distinct difference. Um, uh, that is that they are buying royalties to grow their portfolio. The dominant way that we grow our portfolio is by selling projects where we get paid to create royalties. And that's why I have as much money in the bank, plus my tradable securities, plus long-term investments as I've raised in the history of the company and no debt. Um, I don't believe any of our competitors can even come close to saying that. And uh, we have a 17-year track record of just solid, accretive deal flow. When we do buy royalties, it's a good deal. Um, And when we are growing royalties, which we do better than everyone else, um, in my opinion, opinion. I, I believe we sell more projects for royalties than all the other prospect generators combined. Um, that uh, That's just a fantastic way to grow the portfolio. But you know, the Achilles heel of this model, which you've alluded to, um, and it's worth pointing it out, I'm, I'm not shy about it, is that it's the get rich slow plan, right? You, you sell a project and you get paid uh, upfront shares or cash and you get some annual payments. Uh, but the production from that property doesn't isn't likely to occur for a decade, maybe two decades. But over the, we've been doing this for 17 years, so we're at the point now where that optionality within that pyramid is starting to really show itself. And Balia is a great example, right? So as an organically grown royalty, we acquired that at auction for $17,000 from the Turkish government. We sold it for $100,000 upfront payment in addition to a 4% royalty, and now it's going to pay millions of dollars per year for decades into the future. That one royalty is worth more than I've spent on growing the entire portfolio. And that speaks to how accretive the allocation of capital is to this business model. Um, And the the people that come into this company and buy shares today have the benefit of 17 years of us doing this. And so that's the core part of our business is to grow these royalties organically through the execution. But we also buy royalties and we're happy to buy royalties when we find them at at accretive pricing. And and usually if we find them at accretive pricing, it's because of there's some sort of distressed sale or we see substantial geologic upside that the market doesn't see. And um, it comes back to that geologic acumen 
uh, to be able to look for the inefficiencies. Okay, so the, the get, get rich slow scheme has been the mantra, but I wonder, because I'm looking at share price, right? Like last year, it really took off. I would say previous four or five years, floating around the sort of same, same, same sort of level. It didn't, you, the, the value of your previous model hadn't really been seen. I mean, I'm looking, I can look back and look back to 2016 and see the same sorts of price, it was same sort of pricing, a peak in 2016 in 2019. So I think in the last year and a half, people are starting to see the pay payoff as it were, it feels like. If I'm looking as an investor, because I make my money when my shares go up and I sell them, that's how I make my money. You, you've got a different model, right? So you, you've been in this for a long time. So new investors coming in, I think perhaps can take advantage of this. What do you think that investors have been sitting on your stock for the last three, four years or thinking about you now? Are they happy? They should be very happy. So in uh, the point of market capitulation, which occurred in January of 2016, our shares traded as low as 35 cents USD. Um, I remember on December 23rd, 2015, I bought half a million shares out of the open market at 0.352 cents, and um, or 0.352 dollars. So you have 35.2 cents at that point in time, uh, and that marked uh, the capitulation point. Um, and I personally bought a lot of shares uh, during that downtick. What's the, because, what's the capitulation you know, point? What do you mean by that? What happened? The point at which the market's thrown in the towel. You know, they're just giving up and prices are falling just because they're falling, not because of any aspect of fundamentals. And the astute followers of the company are saying, this is crazy. Let's buy all the shares we can. And um, and we did that. And then the market turned and, and you know, now we've gone from 35 cents to $3 US or $4 Canadian. And uh, over that five-year period, and by the way, you know, if we take out, you know, the the, the market exacerbations within the cycle of the natural resource sector, particularly the junior natural resource sector, are exacerbated. We all realize that. And the key is is to use those exacerbated market cycles to your advantage rather than be used by them. And it's easy to say that. Um, but it, but, it's, but you know, it, it takes reaching down in your gut and buying those stocks as they're getting beaten up in those really bad markets, uh, which requires guts and money. Uh, but you, you know, long term, that's the way to play this market. You know, this sector within the market is to buy those exacerbated downturns and buy quality companies with quality people that are going to be around a while. So if you look at our compounded annual growth rate, our CAGR, from the time that we first raised money in the company, we first raised money at 15 cents Canadian. We came public at 30 cents Canadian. If you use the 15 cent number and compare it to today, that's a compounded annual growth rate of in the high teens or low 20s, maybe around 20% compounded annual growth rate over 17 years. Um, and uh, uh, I'm of the opinion we can continue that type of growth rate. Okay, I mean, that's a fairly sort of steady state you know, PE type return, but do you see competition from, you know, if you look at the equities last year, they went nuts. Most most pr uh, precious metals, commodities went nuts that so people felt they could do no wrong and they were looking elsewhere. But of recent times, we're seeing a many, many new royalty companies coming coming out because people are taking notice of royalty companies again. So it, it, how, how do you feel the markets evol evolving? Um, out there in terms of 
your ability to get noticed um, because the precious metal markets come off a little bit, the fact that people are noticing royalty companies a bit, but there's a bit more competition. I mean, there's, there's a lot of moving parts. Um, how are you going to compete? Focusing on what we know how to do and have shown we can do for 17 years. Um, and that's focused dominantly on the organic growth royalties, which nobody else does the way we do it. And so we, we don't have serious competition on that side. In fact, the buoyant markets provide more customers for us to be able to sell projects too. So it actually accelerates our market. The, um, uh, on the royalty purchase side, yeah, you're right. Royalties are selling at uh, extreme valuations. We see some absurd, I won't point out any specific deal because I don't want to pick on on anyone in the space, but but um, you know we can easily look at some of the deals that have been announced recently and, and sort of chuckle to ourselves about the valuation that pe people are paying for royalties. And that's because they're desperate to grow their company. And um, you know most of our royalty competitors are, are buying royalties to grow their portfolio and they have to pay any price they can to be able to do that. And the penalty for them for that is what? Well, you know, short term, it works. Uh, they have deal flow. Um, the market is not yet dissecting and understanding what they have purchased for what price. And so in some cases, uh, their stock prices have, have uh, reacted favorably. Um, we all know that, that, that that's likely to be a short-term phenomenon. Um, Long-term, you need to buy assets astutely. Long-term, it's about astute allocation of capital. Do you think that you guys, royalty companies broadly, uh, should be more accountable, more open and transparent about how you measure your portfolios so that people can look at, I know brokers here, here in this here in the royalty uh, analysis mm -hmm. space, they can't be bothered looking at you, you, all of your assets. They literally don't care. They'll just pick a number and uh, they hope it's right in relation to what's going on with the peers. You know, you've got 200 assets to look at. It's hard work. Mm -hmm. How can people judge you? Because not all of you guys talk a straight story, right? You spin it the best possible way. And we've seen, and I talk about, there are promote, I'm not talking about you, I'm talking about there's some companies out there who are overtly mm -hmm. promotional, overstate, and quite a few of the CEOs that I talk to are just incredulous that they can get away with it. But it, it happens. So what chance have we poor family officers or retail investors got in terms of evaluating who's the good guy and who's not. Matthew, I think you're pretty good at discerning those things myself, but uh, um, you know, you, you, you've got to look at, at people's track records and, and what, what the company's accomplished over time and, and look at what they've purchased for what price. Royalty companies, however, are all hampered, including us, by the terms of the royalty deal. And if, and if we if we buy a royalty and that royalty says that we have no access to data and no right to go on the project, then there's not a lot we can tell the public about what we own. We can say what the footprint is. We can say this is where the royalty is. This is how much it is. And then we can talk about whatever's been made public by the counterparty. Um, but we can't say anything more than that because we don't have we don't have any more of that information. Um, we have some royalties that are that are um, um, encumbered by that problem, um, but many many other royalty companies have that same issue. So it's, it's difficult for a royalty company to tell you what they can't tell you, if that makes any sense. <laughs> you know, but um, um, certainly the entire industry is governed by 43101 and the bulk of the counterparties, if they're public, have to abide by that or JORC or um, 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 US law with respect to their disclosure. Um, and then the royalties should be disclosed in their disclosure and thus you can figure out what the company owns. Very important. 
is to understand what the commercial terms of the royalty are, i.e. if it can be bought out or if there's a cap, et cetera. And very importantly, the footprint, the actual footprint of the royalty relative to where the resources and reserves and ongoing exploration are. Yep. Well, it kind of feels like 43101 is not necessarily um, designed for royalty companies, it feels like, because I think that's, we would like that's to probably see, a fair statement. We would like to see more information to stop people being harmed from you know mis, you know misdirection. I think in the royalty space. Um, can just I'll, I'll finish off. So I know you've got to go and get a shot in the arm. Yeah. So you can. I'm getting my second shot today. Yep. It's okay. No showing off. No showing off. So you, you've got <laughs> you, you've got Balia. And you've got Timok, and those are the kind of near-term cash-flowing events, right? So mm-hmm. you talked about the sustainability of those, but what's next? Because your 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 business, I think, is going to be best defined by how much cash is coming through the door and continues to come through the door down the line, because that's what we're buying into, future cash flows. Mm-hmm. So what can you tell us about that one in the context of, I know what we've just discussed, but you've got to have a view or a range you like to ask the same question three times, hoping you'll get a different answer. Pretty much. Pretty the, much. <laughs> the, um, uh, look, uh, you know, I'll just come back to this concept of optionality. Royalties traded a premium and royalty companies traded a premium because of the embedded optionality that comes at no cost to the royalty owner. And so when discoveries were made within our pyramid, that uh, we weren't paying for those drill rigs. And uh, so we have all the upside of that portfolio. So you never know where the next big win is coming. We love the results coming out of the Kaukua royalty. Uh, we're very excited about additional work that Xinjing is doing on that project and advancing it forward faster than they had initially said. That's going to create more cash flow from us. And long-term, when the, when the porphyry comes into production there, that's just a flat-out company maker. You can do the math on a half percent of approximately 1% copper equivalent of 1.7 billion tons of mineralization um, and put whatever risk factor you want on that and discount it however you want. It's still a big number. And uh, that's a, that's a nice asset to have in our portfolio. Uh, And uh, we've had a fabulous job of, of doing accretive strategic investments over our history, which come to us as a synergy of having these smart business oriented economic geologists around the world, finding investment opportunities for us. And we have a share portfolio that we manage we continue to buy things. We continue to sell things and harvest. And we've done a fantastic job of that over our 17-year history. It's likely that we'll have other wins that come from that portfolio as well. And I'll highlight our 19.9% interest in the Rawhide Mine in Nevada, which is a strategic investment we have on the books today. And um, we are contributing intellectually to the advancement of that project. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful that's going to be a nice win for us in the future. Right. And... And again, I sort of harp on about cash, but do you think you're going to be a net positive or growth cash? Sorry, a net cash positive growth story moving forward? Because again, I come back to your GNA because the, the model which you employ is a little bit more than most, right? So this year is the year where we're going to start seeing a different shape curve. So if you include share payments and the value of the share payments and the value of the shares that we have and how they've augmented over the course of last year, we've done very well this year. If you just look at incoming cash, uh, then 2022 is the year we're going to turn positive. Brilliant. 
That's where I wanted to get to, yeah. and I want people to understand that. Because, <laughs> because, only because you, you're sitting on this 50 million bucks of cash, and the question which comes in all the time to you, what are you doing with it? What are you doing with it? What are you doing with it, right? So I know you're doing more deals, but I'm interested in the type of deals yeah. and the change of profile for your company has got to be around, well, are these guys going to be you know, contributing net positive cash to the bottom line, or are we just always going to be talking about the future? Because that's... That's a difficult story to kind of get your head around. Yeah, very fair questions. I get asked these questions frequently. My focus is on the student allocation of that capital, not the allocation of it. So um, it's about allocating capital astutely. That's for long. That's for the long-term value creation of our shareholders. Right, and and as a percentage of your business, always been precious metals predominantly. Now battery metals is a big and growing thematic. Is that gonna? Is that going to be what, what sort of percentage of your portfolio thing that's going to be going forward? And however way you however you want to measure it. So the um, uh, the future of the company um, is more base metals and less precious metals with respect to production cash flow, but it's still a substantial precious metal component. And the um, um, you know we we love getting exposed to these copper nickel systems they some of those have byproduct gold some have byproduct uh, precious or excuse me platinum group elements we think those are great places to invest we've been augmenting our portfolio long before it was popular in that area um, and uh, uh, you know the whole metal space is seeing a repricing event and we're a participant in that okay so brilliant okay no overpaying for things it's not our. It's not in our DNA. I know it's not, but I'm seeing so much of it. It's driving me crazy. Yeah. Um, like, and I get people saying, "How come you aren't buying royalties?" As if you go to the Walmart royalty store, <laughs> right? And, and it's like, well, like we're only going to buy them if it makes sense. The self-service these days at the at the Walmart uh, royalty company. <laughs> it's really easy. <laughs> Um, well, David, I appreciate the catch up as always. Um, it's good, good, to, good to hear that, you know, lots, lots of new news, which I think is exciting. Lots of revenue coming forward. Yeah. I'm excited uh, about that. And so seeing just um, you know, just slight change of, you know, the, the, the model as it were. And it's, it's, uh, it's exciting times. Appreciate it. Thank you very much. Always my pleasure, Matthew. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed the interview, why not subscribe to Cruxcast? or our website, cruxinvestor.com, and of course, our YouTube channel, Crux Investor. Plus, you can catch us most days on Twitter and LinkedIn. We really love getting your feedback, so please keep it coming, and we'll speak to you again soon.